to the First Colony Church of Christ. Welcome to our second service here. And uh, joining me today is our women's minister, Missy Edgman. Everybody say hi, Missy. Hi, everybody. And, uh, <laughs> we, uh, both of us, we express to all of you, we extend to you a happy, happy Mother's Day here at the First Colony Church of Christ. We, we love moms. We love families. We are in your corner. We really appreciate uh, and value your ministry. And I got to tell you, we have a church full of amazing women who pour out their love and their energy on their kids, on their grandkids, and on all those they care about. You have a circle of influence, and we are grateful, grateful for you. To those of you uh, who are uh, online with us today, we say uh, welcome. Glad to have you with us and let us hear from you. Uh, communicate with us, and if we can pray with you, we have people who are ready, ready to uh, uh, minister with you uh, through the ministry, uh, through the ministry of prayer. So, uh, Missy, Missy Edgman, uh, she and her husband Pete, they've been a part of our church family now for 21, 21 years. Uh, she attended uh, Abilene Christian University. That's where she met uh, Pete. They've been married 31 years. Next month. Missy's first career was that of a librarian. Yeah. Her first career was that of a librarian. Uh, she's worked in medical, public college, and school libraries. Her, her career before becoming our women's uh, minister was she was the librarian for our school here, Cornerstone Christian uh, Academy. So Pete and Missy have three sons, Ben, Luke, and Daniel, all in their early, early 20s. Um, so I'm going to throw out several questions uh, to Missy today. She did a great job in our first service. And uh, Missy brings energy to any discussion. If you're part of our women's ministry, you know, you know that. If you're not, I encourage you to, uh, you know, be engaged with all the offerings that, that, that come along. So uh, Missy, she brings juice to the table, a lot of energy to discussion. She's a, she's a lot of fun, but she is a woman of great, great uh, depth unpredictable depth, but, but depth, uh, 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 all the same. And uh, she's a great, great woman of God. I'm thankful that she's willing to do this today. So, Missy, a few questions. Here's the first one. What's a lesson you've learned from motherhood that you'd like to, you'd like to share today? So the lesson that came to mind um, as we were planning this day was uh, one, that, one that I learned really early on when I was very first pregnant. So if you guys can remember back, some of you are there now if you're in your 20s, but in your 20s, uh, I don't know how many of you would have felt like you just had a real strong direction for your life, like you felt like, I just know exactly what God wants me to do, but I certainly did not have that sense. And, um, but I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. I wanted to know what God wanted me to do. And so when I first got pregnant, I remember driving to work and just thinking about this baby growing in me, and I just felt like this was my purpose, that this was it. This, I was going to have a baby, and I was going to train it up to know God. I'm dedicating this, God, this baby to you, God. You know, this is a wonderful gift, and this will be my big work. You know, this will be my purpose that I do for God. And then I went into the, my doctor's visit about three months along, and there was no heartbeat. So the baby had grown to be about two months and I thought maybe I should have been about three months pregnant, but it didn't grow past two months. 
So in the subsequent months, because it was going to be another year before I was able to um, get pregnant with and have my first son, I didn't know if I was going to be a mom. I didn't know. I just didn't know. I didn't know what to think about this because here I had kind of lifted this up to be this big work that I was going to do for God. And now maybe I wouldn't even be a mom. So how was I supposed to be thinking about these things? And what God let me know, and I think it's interesting how he let me know this because at this time in my life, I really didn't know a lot of the word of God. Um, so it's not like he spoke to me in scripture like he does now because I know a lot of it. He'll kind of drop scripture in my head. Maybe you guys have experienced that, but then I didn't. But he still let me know that my value in his eyes, my worthiness before him, the purpose of my life really didn't change in his eyes whether I became a mother or not. I was just solidly connected with him whether I became a mother or not. And I felt like that was a good lesson because that can really be applicable in so many ways. You know, people, whether you're married or not, whether you have that job or not, whether you achieve fill in the blank or not, your standing before God does not change. So to me, that felt like a, a big and universal lesson that he taught me. But then as I was thinking about the lesson, he did current day bring in the scripture that we read for communion, um, uh, Ephesians 2.10. So we are God's workmanship and we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has planned for us in advance. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a strange scripture to my thinking to go with this lesson that I felt like I had just remembered from God. And I was trying to, I was mulling it over, trying to figure out why did he bring this up? Because he even kept repeating it. Like it kept showing up other places too. And it wasn't until I thought of the baby that I felt like I understood what he was trying to tell me because he used that baby that grew in me for only two months and it never breathed any air. It never did any work as we would call it work. It never spoke a word. I never knew if it was a boy or girl, um, but he used that baby's short life to teach me a very important lesson about my relationship with him. And I thought, you know, if God can use a life like that to teach somebody, and of course now it's multiplying because I'm telling you guys about it, how much more can he do through us? You know, we've been given the, the gift of time and ability and opportunity. And if we're believers, we have the spirit of God in us and leading us. And how much more can he do through us? So he has these works planned in advance that he's going to work out through us as we live our lives. And there are going to be times that we feel like we know what we're doing and times that we don't. But it, that to me, that was just a powerful lesson. Well, thank you, Missy, for being very, very open. And uh, as, as you think through the various stages of motherhood represented here in this uh, room. What, in your opinion, what are some of the harder stages of, of motherhood along the way? Um, well, I loved the video that we saw, you know, just the kind of, it's, there's always a need. It seems like there's always a need with the moms of the, of the younger kids. I certainly felt that when my boys were younger, that was what I felt like was the hardest stage was when they were young because it just, I never got much time without somebody, without needing to do something for someone, it seemed and not a lot of rest. Um, so those early stages can be hard just because there's so much need and you, there's not really enough of you to go around. But then the teenage years, um, you know, I remember coming into church one day and Ruth Temple, some of you guys know who Ruth Temple is. She said to me, how are the Edgemans doing? And I said, well, all but one of us is great. 
And she said, well, one of you must be 14. And so, yes, the teenage years can be kind of hard, too, because I say that, you know, you find out exactly how mature you are because you're around immature people. And so how are you going to respond, right? You can't run away. Um, and then the adult years, as they're starting to grow up and launch, and I'm kind of at the front end of this right now, they start, you don't have, you don't have control over them anymore. You hopefully have some influence. They hopefully care about hearing what you have to say, but that's, that's really it. So you're kind of entrusting them to God and to their own decision-making at that point in time. And so that gets to be hard. And I was talking to somebody after first service today. She said, it just keeps going on. You know, I mean, your children never stop being your children. And you always care deeply about what's going on in their lives. But um, yeah, for me, it was those early years. So ask me in five years and my answer might be different. And so what are some of the uh, lessons that you've learned and that lessons that you think good for all of us, you know, whether it's mom or dad, whatever, as we go through particularly challenging times, what are some of the lessons you think we can, we can learn from the Lord? Yeah, I think that thinking in terms of challenging times as opportunities to develop spiritual disciplines is a good way to think about it. Um, and I have found that the Bible has in it a, what I call a principle of replacement. So it's like you can't really stop a habit like um, I felt like I was pretty good about not complaining when my kids were younger but that's a whole lot different than being thankful so you know like one scripture you guys probably know Philippians 4 don't be anxious about anything but rather through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving present your requests from God that would be an example of a replacement principle right and so you see that in a lot of places so I think that um, that's one of the opportunities that we have when we're going through something difficult is to learn how to replace the, the negative attitude or the bad responses with the, with the good things that God has planned for us. And then the book of James tells us that if we lack wisdom that we should ask of God and he'll give it to you generously and without finding fault. So he's not like the teacher who says, you know, I just said that. Why are you asking that question? He's not like that. <laughs> he gives generously, right? And so... He, he's the fount of wisdom, but James goes on to say, but ask believing because, you know, James is all about action. There's, there's not really such a thing as faith without kind of a, a follow-up action. So what that might look like, for instance, um, let's just say the teenage years and somebody's just really irritating the fire out of you and you have a scripture run through your head that a gentle answer turns away wrath. Okay, well, there's your scripture, but are you going to give the gentle answer? Are you actually going to believe it? Are you going to believe it, show that you believe it by doing it? Or are you just going to let it sit in your head and keep your bad habits? So it's a good chance to, you know, cultivate some wisdom as well. And um, really, really developing your prayer life. Um, because, you know, we say we believe things, but then the way we respond often reveals what we actually believe. And so if we're people who are very anxious about things, that may indicate that we don't really put as much um, trust in the power of prayer as the Bible clearly says it has an amazing power. So that's something we can grow in in those cases. And um, sometimes I think we feel a little weak in our prayer life because we don't feel like we have the right words to say, which of course we know that the Spirit intercedes for us. We don't have to say the right words all the time, but sometimes it helps and to have a template. 
And Paul has some beautiful uh, prayers in the book of Ephesians. Right at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, he talks about, you had it written down. I keep asking that the Lord our God, of our God, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I mean, what better prayer could we ask than something like that? So that's a little template that's offered to us in the Bible as well. Thank you, Missy. So parents uh, give a lot of gifts to their children. Moms give a lot of great gifts to their kids. And, but what are some of the unique, really, some of the best gifts that a mom can pass along to, to her children? Well, I think the best gift is that we can give to anyone is just introducing them to God for who he actually is. You know, he's a loving father. And I think one challenge with parenting sometimes, because we care about behavior, you know, we want our children to act right. And so if we're teaching them about God and we're focusing a lot on behavior, sometimes it can accidentally sound like God's really, really interested in behavior. But that's actually not our God. He's, he's interested in relationship. And he's a loving father. And to introduce our children as a loving father, um, when he introduced himself to Moses, he introduced himself in the way that gets repeated over and over and over again in the Bible. He says, I am compassionate and I'm gracious and I'm slow to anger and I'm full of faithful love. And that's our God, you know. And Jesus spent a lot of time trying to get people to understand that he's not just like distant and waiting to catch you out. He's, a, he's the loving father who seeks after the lost sheep, who, who runs after the returning rebellious son. So introducing our children to God as he truly is, is the best gift that we can give. And of course, out of his love, God created marriage. That's what he designed to be the foundation of families, which are the foundation of a society, which is the foundation of culture. So he has this really big vision for us through something as basic as marriage. So being able to work on your marriage, fighting for your marriage is a really important gift that you can give to your children. But I know a lot of you are feeling like, well, that ship has sailed for me. You know, I'm not married now. It wasn't my choice. Maybe it was, maybe, you know, how would you expect me to stay in that situation? Well, you can still give your gift, get children the gift of a vision of what marriage is, that it's still a good thing. Even though it's not always working out for everyone, well, it's still a good thing from God. It's a good gift from God. And another encouragement to you there, because some people may still be married, but feel like they're not really in a partnership with their spouse. But, you know, Paul says that the believing spouse sanctifies the home. They bring, they bring the spirit and aroma of Christ into their home. They bring um, wisdom and peace with them. And you may not feel. I, I love the song that Emily sang for us, you know, I, I, I'm going to believe what you're telling me. I don't always feel these ways. You may not feel like you are a sanctifying force, but you are. God says you are. And so I just want to encourage you with that, that, um, you know, marriage is the ideal and we fall short in so many ways, but God is still at work. And then um, I think another helpful thing is to Prepare yourself for when your children fail, you know, because that's a really great opportunity to show them the goodness of God and both of his, his truth and his grace. So, you know, when you catch your children doing that thing or, you know, whatever it is, um, think through how do you want to respond in a way that's going to let them know that our 
holy father, our holy God, who's fully holy, is also full of grace. And John says that, you know, we have the spirit of wisdom and truth and that the spirit's going to let us know. He's going to guide us in all this truth. And so he's going to let us know exactly specifically how to respond. But I think if you're a little bit prepared ahead of time, it's going to help. So you don't just freak out and maybe have to apologize later. Um, and then prayer can't be understated ever. I mean, it's just a, it's a weapon. And it's a weapon that demolishes strongholds. And the biggest stronghold is a person's heart. And the only, the only thing that can change a person's heart is, the, is God. And so, um, you know, engaging with that through prayer. Excellent. Those are great gifts. The gift of prayer and intercession for our, our children. The gift of, of, of compassion, reflecting the, the love of God for us. I mean, a, a mother's love reflects certainly the love of God. Um, um, men and women are created in the image of God. Moms are made in the image of God. And God's care for you is often expressed because of uh, a mother's care. You know, in, in, a, in a few days, several of us here are going to be uh, headed to uh, Israel. And there's a, there's a little church you visit as you overlook uh, Jerusalem. Uh, it's the Dominus Flevit Church, the, the, the God Weeps Church. And it's based on that scene, it's based on that scripture out of Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. Let me read it for you. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets, and you stone those who were sent to you. And how often I would have gathered you together, even as a hen gathers together her baby chickens. But you were not willing to come to me. It's interesting. Jesus describes his love over an unrepentant uh, Jerusalem by saying, I, I, I love you like, like a hen. Not like a rooster. Like a hen. Uh, and I, I have a, a mother's love, mother's love for you. And like you said, that it's a, uh, it's a mile marker moment when there's been a point of failure, there's been a disappointment, and how will mom or dad respond in, in that time of failure? Will it be something that can propel us onward and forward in a new beginning, a fresh beginning, and uh, it can be. And that's a great, great gift. Um, missing your opinion based on your knowledge of Scripture, what's God's vision for, for motherhood? Well, you know, as you just said, we were created in the image of God. And when you look back at that Genesis account of creation, you see God creating with such purpose and um, it's almost like he's building a nursery when you, when you look at the order of how he put things together so thoughtfully. And then he creates humanity. He creates male and female in his own image. Um, and women in particular are given the image-bearing job of bringing life into the world, of actually ushering a new life into the world. And I think it I think we should think about this because our culture right now is talking like that aspect of being a woman is not something that's a blessing or a gift at all. And, and they talk like that's something that really we should be actively trying through legislation and all kinds of social ways to just erase out of ourselves. And we 
Christians who believe in what God has built stand against that. It's the, the, the role of the female in bringing life into the world is a wonderful, beautiful gift that should be protected and honored. And it extends beyond just the physical, you know, pregnancy and childbirth. It's also the way that we're, we are, you know, we, we, we create, I kind of want to make this gesture like you were talking about with the hen, you know, putting the chicks under her wings. It's like we, we nurture our family, we build a home and we, we care about the relationships within the family. We often are making connections. Um, you know, I'm in a home with all boys and there isn't as much talking that goes on as people who have girls tell me there is in their homes. But there's, you know, there's just a lot of um, trying to connect those relationships within your family. And I think that's something that women are especially suited to do. And we're also very protective. Um, you can get a very mild-mannered woman to be a mama bear if she thinks her children are being threatened in any way. And really groups of women throughout history have changed society by advocating for children. I mean, that just gets us fired up. It's just how we're, we're built so many ways. And so I think that's God's vision is for us to be um, not only just this gift of life givers, but we can be nurturers um, teachers, you know, our words are so important, especially when our children are young, because we really shape the way that they see reality and um, protecting them. So, very good. All right, Missy, one more question. None of us bat a thousand. No father has ever batted a thousand in fatherhood. In fatherhood, no mom has ever batted a thousand. What would you say, since we're speaking to moms today especially, but to all parents, what do you say to parents who uh, would, would say, I feel like I've not lived up to the, to the vision that I've, uh, I've not lived up to my aspirations. I've fallen short of where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be. And what would you say to someone who says, I feel like I've fallen short of that vision? Well, I would say that I hope, I mean, welcome to the club, first of all, like all of us have fallen short of the vision, as you said. But if you feel hopeless, you know, stop it. <laughs> stop feeling hopeless. There's, you know, the Lord is there for you. He's, he, he is leaning in to redeem the most difficult and dark situations. There is absolutely nothing that we can do that leaves God helpless. We, we are unable to tie his hands from being able to redeem a situation. And so if there's an action step you need to take, you know, like we talked about James asking for wisdom, but then you act on it, right? If there's an action step you need to take, let's say you need to repair a relationship, then do that. Um, there's a next good step that you can take, even if it's to pray, over somebody who you may not talk to again for a long time, but there's, there is hope and redemption in the hardest and darkest places. And we really just don't have the power to completely ruin another person's life. So going to God and recognizing that Jesus is our good high priest, he's compassionate toward us. You know, he really, really does know that this is tough. The world's tough. Family is tough. He came into a family with history. He came into siblings who couldn't get along with each other. 
um, he was with a mom who was a single mom, at least for part of the time. So he understands our situations and we can come to him with great confidence, knowing that um, he, will, he will give us help in our time of need. So let's put the scripture up here on our screen, Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. But let us then approach God's throne of grace with some confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. Mercy, cleansing, grace, help, energy, God helping us to do beyond what we can do on our own. God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves, propelling us forward so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But here's the thing. In your time of need is when you most feel unworthy to come before the throne. It's in your time of need you're probably less motivated to go to the throne. But it's in that time of need our great God um, invites us to come for mercy and for help in time of need. Missy, would you add anything else? Go get him. <laughs> <laughs> Missy, you did a great job and you shared thank a lot you. of really, really helpful information. Everybody, let, let's thank Missy again for <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Let me ask our praise, praise team to be taking their places uh, back, back up here. And as they're doing so, let me just sort of remind you. When the Bible talks about mothering, when the Bible talks about parenting, it doesn't get all sentimental and maudlin. It's talking about a high-stakes high enterprise here. Uh, and uh, any dad, any mom who takes the task of mothering seriously, as you do, is to be held in high esteem. And moms, we do honor you here today. There's a Jewish educator uh, and writer by the name of Zipporah Heller. And she says that the ideal Jewish woman is a very good shopper. Now keep paying attention. <laughs> this is not a line out of pop culture. She says it is a deep observation about any woman who wants to make a difference for her family. She points out that, you know, a good shopper is a good, you know, goes to, to the merchants and selects things and goods that would be appropriate to the family. But she says... A mom who's making a difference for a family is a mom who's also shopping wisely and with discernment in the marketplace of ideas and values and discerning what ideas and values we bring home and what ideas and values we leave on the shelf. God bless you and that noble assignment. Let me just remind all of us here, nobody becomes a Christian just because mom said so, but many of us become Christians because mom started us on that journey and uh, fed our faith. And if you will act on the faith that you have, even a mustard seed of faith, you'll be glad that you did.